Welcome to Rosedale Baptist Church's Sermon Podcast, featuring the preaching of Reverend Darius Bowman, Senior Pastor. It is our prayer that you will be blessed by these messages. We want to extend to you an invitation to be with us during the week. We meet for worship at 1045 a.m. and 6 p.m. on Sunday, and at 7 on Wednesday evenings for our midweek service. Feel free to download these messages and take them with you during the week. We are located on Lee Highway between exits 19 and 22. Also, be sure to check out our website at rbcabingdon.org. Again, welcome. And here's Reverend Darius. Well, we're finishing out the book of 1 Peter tonight. Well, thank you, Lord, for working that out for us. Last week, we looked in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 through 9, with the thought in mind, a personal devil and realizing that Satan is our personal devil, that Satan comes against each and every one of us. And we need to realize that. He's not just coming against the church. He's not just coming against Jesus Christ. He's our personal devil. And we need to admit that and go to battle with him and take him on. But I didn't want to leave you with just that thought. So let's pick up where we left off and let's look at verse 10. Verse 10 and 11. Now the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus will personally restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little. To him be the dominion forever. Amen. Yeah, we have a personal devil, but hallelujah, praise God, we have a personal deliverer. Jesus Christ, the righteous. And that's who I want to focus on. Jesus Christ. He says, the God of all grace. Yes, it's by his glorious, marvelous, wonderful, matchless grace that we can praise the Lord, that we can rejoice at all. Thank God for my salvation, Brent said. Thank you, Lord. Yes, each one of us need to give praise to God for our salvation because it is of the grace of God. It's His goodness toward us. I want us to look at saving grace, sanctifying grace, and the Savior's grace. Father, we pray that you speak to us out of this passage. May we search our hearts, our lives, our testimonies. And Lord, may we in a time of trouble... Be comforted by the promises of your word. For you are the God of grace, peace, mercy, comfort, salvation. You are our hope. And so, Lord, let us focus on that in the midst of the despair that's going on in our world around us. Let us focus on who you are and whose we are in you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I said to the young lady waiting on us today at lunch, how can we pray for you? She said, pray for my mama. My mama is just depressed. Just everything that's going on. She, she doesn't seem to have any happiness. Can't. Well, let me tell you, the world is depressed with all the things that are going on. I mean, the reality of the things that are going on and then all the the fear and everything that's being touted 
and the possibility of what's coming down the road. But let me tell you, don't focus on the world around you. Focus on the Lord above you. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are our personal Savior. You come and meet us at the point of our need with saving grace. Now, the God of all grace, grace comes from God. God's riches at Christ's expense. There is no salvation unto man. There is no hope unto man except that the sinless Son of God would go to the cross of Calvary, shed his blood, that he might pay the debt in full for all who receive him as Lord and Savior. All grace comes through God, through Jesus Christ, unto us. Hallelujah. But not only that, it says he called you to his eternal glory. Thank you. We are saved by grace. And then we are called unto him as his children. We are adopted into the family of God. We are called to serve him, to live for him, to witness for him, to testify of his goodness and his grace. Oh, have you answered God's call on your life? Because I'm telling you, he hasn't called you to sit soaking sour on a pew. He's called you to do so much more, to be the hands of Christ, be the feet of Christ, be the comfort and the heart of Christ to a world around us that's hurting. Oh, have you answered your call, called by grace and called by the Spirit? See what he says? God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus Oh, it's through the Spirit of God that we are called unto him. No man comes to the Father, but that the Spirit would draw him. We don't come to God because we wake up one day and think, well, you know what I've been thinking. I might just become religious. Now, let me think about what kind of religion I created for. Now, I don't like high, sophisticated Foods. I don't like hors d'oeuvres. I like fried chicken. I think I'll be a Baptist. What about you, Bill? Yeah, well, I got fried chicken. We're going to be Baptist. Yes, sir. Me. Without bones. Yeah, there you go. Boneless chicken. Where's Bold Pilgrim when you need him? I'm telling you. Oh, we confess Jesus is Lord by the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. Therefore, I'm informing you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit comes into our life, illuminates the darkness of our lives. God's Spirit breathes upon the deadness within us. Uh, the Word of God, Paul says in Ephesians, that we were dead in trespasses and sin, but then God quickened us. He brought us to life. He breathed life into us, just as 
in the valley of the dry bones, he said, prophesy to them again that the breath may come into them. And they lived. Well, that's what happened to me. God's Holy Spirit came into me. And I have life today, eternal life, because of the grace of God by the Spirit of God calling me. I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. No apologies. I don't worry about if it rubs your fur the wrong way. Turn the cat around. I'm not changing my confession. Jesus is Lord. I'm not worried if it offends you. I'm not worried if it makes you feel bad. Here's a fact. Jesus Christ is Lord in my life. That's where we ought to be. We have a personal deliverer that we ought to be very proud of. We ought to talk about. We ought to tell people about the grace of God and the Spirit of God that lives within us. God's Holy Spirit brings God's grace to us to live and dwell within us. And then God's Holy Spirit leads us and guides us here and now, but leads us to glory. Oh, eternal glory that never ends. I don't know how to get to heaven, but the Spirit does. And being led of the Spirit of God in obedience, I follow, and I'm going to heaven. And that's a fact. He's not going to make a mistake. He's not going to lead me wrong. He's not going to tell me the wrong turn. I'm going to get there following the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. We have a personal deliverer. Eternal glory. That's beyond the suffering of this world. His eternal glory in Christ Jesus will personally, oh, lead us out of the sufferings of this world, out of the fears of this world. You afraid about what Congress might do? Are you afraid they're going to change the Supreme Court to 15 and all of a sudden every wild thing in the world is all going to be all right and all of our laws? Hey, listen, I've got a law that's above the Constitution. It's the Word of God. I'm going to be obedient to my leader who's above all leaders. Every king and principality and power, there's no party, political, or anything else that can change who he is. Put my faith in him. I'm thrilled that I have a personal deliverer. He came to seek me. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And without Jesus Christ, I guarantee you, I was lost. I was a bum. I was worthless. But Christ found me. He lifted me up as a shepherd would a sheep, put me on his shoulders, and carries me by his glorious grace. Thank you, Lord. Through his suffering. Oh, remember this. That salvation is the free gift of God. But salvation is not free. Christ paid the ultimate price. There's no greater price could be paid. Heaven was bankrupt when Jesus hung on the cross. Because all the glory of heaven hung on that cross. 
He suffered and died for us. He gave his all for us. We so often are so flippant about the price of our salvation. God forbid that we ever think that we had a part in it, but that Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Through his suffering, Christ saved me. And without that, then there's no hope for us. We are lost and undone. Without God's grace, marvelous, matchless, powerful grace, it ought to make us want to just fall on our face and weep in his presence. To think that he gave himself an offering, a sacrifice, totally everything poured out his every drop, poured out his life's blood to purchase us, to be our redeemer, our deliverer, our savior. But oh, how we think, what a catch he got when he got me. Man, did he strike it rich. He didn't strike anything rich. He gave all the riches of heaven to purchase us. He gave his life's blood. Without that, we're hopeless. We have a personal devil that's seeking to devour us, but we have a personal deliverer who's already defeated death, hell, and the grave. How Lindsay's book, one of them, was entitled, Satan is Alive and Well on Planet Earth. Old Satan is alive on planet. He's not well. He is damned already. He's just waiting for the day of judgment. Oh, that we would realize that. We would rejoice. We would rely on the grace of God. Saving grace. Sanctifying grace. Oh, maturing us. Now the God of all grace who has called us to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus will personally restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you've suffered a little. Thank you, Lord, for sanctifying grace, maturing us, that we're not just saved in our ignorance and left in our ignorance, but he is ever enlightening us. He is ever revealing his truth to us. We know his truth and it becomes a part of us because the Spirit of God is enlightening and interpreting it to our soul and we are growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I I would not want to have been born and remained a baby until now. 70, I'll be 73 next month, 73 years of age, and never grown any in knowledge, intelligence, understanding, just right where I always was, 
It's not life. But he's maturing us. That's his plan, that we grow up. And when you grow up, you take on responsibility. And when you get old and take on responsibility, you move out of the house. You go to work. You need to get out of the house and go to work for the Lord. He's called us into the fields that are white into the harvest. My papa used to say, come on, let's go. Going to the tobacco field. Well, the sun was just coming up. And then along about 12, well, it was time to go in and eat lunch. Thank heavens he would sit there because from 12.30 to 1 o'clock as the world turned came on. Only 30 minutes. I never lived in the time when it was one hour a day. It was just 30 minutes. And Papa would sit and watch as the world turned. But then we hit the tobacco field until the sun was down. Never let up. Just stay out there all day long and work those fields. It's time for us to get to work. Not time to be sitting around playing. Grow up. Mature. Look what he says. Jesus Christ who saved us will personally restore us. Oh, what sin did to us? What sin took from us? Our health, our wealth, our minds and everything else. But in Jesus Christ, he will personally restore us. Oh, that he would bring us to the knowledge of all things by his grace. And what's he going to do? He's going to establish us. To establish the soul. To nail it down. That I am saved. That I am in Christ. And I have nothing to worry about. Second Timothy 1.12 And that is why I suffered these things. But I'm not ashamed because I know the one I have believed in. And I am persuaded that he is able to guard what has been entrusted to me until that day. People say, well, I'm just holding on to Jesus with all I've got. Absolutely not. He's holding on to me. Makes it very clear. He's the one who is able to guard he is the one who is able to keep. He keeps me. I don't hang on to him. There's nothing to hang on to. I'm a part of his body. I'm a finger in his hand. I can't slip through his hand. I'm part of it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that you have established my soul. My soul, I don't know about yours, but my soul is already seated in heaven already seated in heavenly places, as if I were already there. I'm as certain of it. I have no doubt about it. I'm going to heaven. I'm in heaven. Why? Because of what Christ has done for me. That's his sanctifying grace, him keeping me. He says, and I know, I know that I know. I don't understand people go to church for years and years and then they say, well, pastor, now I've got a lot of doubts and I, 
you know, I, I, I look at everything that I'm doing and everything that I've done, and, well, you're lost as a goat. I, I guarantee you, I know I was physically born. I, I don't need some psychiatrist or psychologist uh, telling me how to understand that I am. Who was it, Descartes, the philosopher who said the only thing that made him certain of life was he doubted, and the fact that he had doubts meant that he really existed, and it was his doubt that could prove his existence. How stupid. Let me tell you something. It's not my doubts that prove it. It's the certainty of Christ in me, the keeper of my soul. I know that I know. That Jesus is Lord. John said, I've written these things to you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know beyond a shadow of a doubt, experiential knowledge, not what somebody else told you. I know that I know. Just as I know I've been born physically, I know I've been born again. I can tell you the time and the place. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. July the 12th, 1972, Lynchburg, Virginia, about 2.30 on a Wednesday afternoon. Glory, hallelujah. I was born again, and he is the keeper of my soul. I'm established by him, by his marvelous grace. But not only that, I'm strengthened. I'm established in my soul. I'm strengthened in my mind. Now, I'm telling you, you're looking at a nut. You're looking at a lunatic. You're looking at a man whose mind is warped. Tina, can I get a witness? No. Uh, I'm telling you, it's Christ who is strengthening my mind, who enables me to understand and to see what he is doing, strengthening, renewing my mind by his word. Be not conformed to this, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for changing my mind. James chapter 1, beginning in verse eight, 5, rather. Now, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who abradeth not, but giveth generally to generously and without criticism, and it will be given to you. But let him ask in faith without doubting. For the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. The person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. An indecisive man is unstable in all of his ways. Listen, we need to get our minds set upon the things of God. We need to get in the word of God so that we have the thoughts of God. And then our minds will be established. But if you're trying to go in and out of living through a spiritual mind into the natural mind and the natural world and the natural thoughts, you are going to go crazy. You're a lunatic. How do I have a mind 
Let this mind be in you, which also is in Christ Jesus. You get into his word. And by his word, we know the mind and the will of God for us. Without doubting. We are so doubtful. What are we doing? Rosedale Baptist Church. What are we doing that we couldn't do if we didn't have faith? Not much. Why aren't we expecting great things and attempting great things for God? Because we doubt he'll show up. And we don't want to put him behind the eight ball. And we're afraid of failure. Double-minded man. Unstable in all of his ways. We need to get more in the word of God and see the world and see our lives through the word of God and understand through the mind of Christ. And then our mind will be strengthened. Now are you cleansed by the washing of the water of the word. What's the word cleansing? It's cleansing out the stinking thinking in our minds. So we think like Christ thinks. And we understand the will and the plan and the purpose of God. He has sent him to establish the soul and to strengthen the mind and to settle the heart. Oh, that our heart would be settled. Oh, that we would have peace to restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you've suffered a little while. Oh, is your heart settled in Christ? Are you allowing weary fear to dominate you? We're going to live by one of two things. We're going to live by faith or we're going to live by fear. We're going to live under the word of God or we're going to live under the circumstances. Well, let me tell you, Christians ought not be living under the circumstances. We have the blessed promises of God and the circumstances don't have power over us. They can't dominate us. Oh, we may suffer for a little while. But let me tell you something. Sudden death is sudden glory. We're here but a little while. And then we're in heaven forever. Hallelujah. Settle that in your heart. That your heart belongs to God. The goal of God's grace, we think, is heaven. By his grace, we go to heaven. But let me tell you something. It's more than that. Happiness. I've come that you might have life. And you might have it how? Meager? No. Abundant. That you might have abundant life. That you might be blessed because you understand the promises of God. Oh, we have a personal deliverer who delivered us with saving grace and who is sanctifying us day by day if we allow him to by his word. We don't get into the Bible much. We don't read it. We don't know it. We don't study it. We don't share it. 
We say we believe it, but you only believe what you do. We believe the Bible. We live it out. Why? Because we're established in mind. We're settled in heart. We're strengthened in mind. Established in our soul. And settled in our heart. Verse 11. To him be dominion forever. Amen. The Savior's grace. It's all his. He paid it all. All to him I owe. Johnny Hunt kept quoting a little song we used to sing in our street ministry several years ago. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It's your grace. It's all to you I owe. I owe you my everything. My talent, my time, my skills, my treasure. Everything that I have, Lord, I owe to you. I worry about giving 10%. How am I going to get by? God forbid. There are blessings untold waiting for you when you get past that battle, when you realize that if he feeds the sparrow and he knows when a single sparrow falls from its nest, that your heavenly father loves you far more than the birds of the field, the flowers of the field. How much more does he care for us? Oh, that we would realize he wants dominion. That's what he says. To him be dominion. In other words, he has full run of the house. He has authority. I yield to him everything. It's all yours. You don't have to ask to use it. Just take it. It's yours. Everything I have. It's called lordship. If he is Lord in our life, he's either Lord of all or not at all. Is he Lord in your life? Johnny said the other day, you cannot say no and Lord in the same sense. Because you don't say no to Lord. If he's Lord, every answer is yes. I said some time ago, this church goes into a decision, a business meeting. Everybody in this church has one vote. And that vote is yes. Absolutely yes. And that's the only vote we have. The question is, what's God's will? Find God's will. And then we have one vote. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Because you are Lord. You have dominion. You have right to rule. You created me of the dust of the earth. In the lowest part of the gutter, you found me. You cleansed me with your blood. You robed me in your righteousness. 
You adopted me to be your son. How could I ever think of holding back or rebelling against you? Thank you, Lord, for your amazing, wonderful grace. Galatians 6 and verse 14. But as for me, I will never boast about anything except this. The cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The world has been crucified to me through the cross. And I to the world. You see, if Jesus is Lord, the only way he'll be Lord in our life, the only way he'll have full dominion in our life is we've got to come to that place where we die to self. And we give him lordship. Galatians 2.20 I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Oh, how true it is. I'm crucified with Christ. Oh, no, you're not. We can hear you right now. We can't get no rest, sleep, or anything. We got ball games to go watch. You know the Cowboys played today. I've got it recorded. I want to go home and watch the game. Hurry up and get out of the way. Oh, I'm crucified with Christ, but nevertheless, I do live. But it's not me. It's a different me. Because the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And because of that, all to him I owe. And I live to him. He is Lord of my life. He has dominion over me. If you'd have known me several years ago, you'd have seen. You'd have seen me on a Wednesday night stealing eight-track players and four-track players out of cars in a church because I was lost as a goat, and I lived up to being lost. Yes, sirree. I didn't know it. But now, the life I live. Let me tell you, old Don Paxton's right here. Just as black to the core as he can be. Marred by sin. But robed in the righteousness of Christ. And when I yield to the Spirit of God and allow Him dominion and lordship in my life, all of a sudden... Yes, I live, but not I. The life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me, gave himself for me, and it's him living through me. Hallelujah. Is the Lord living through your life? And you say that you have crucified yourself to the cross of Calvary. You have yielded to the dominion of Jesus Christ. Live for Jesus why? Because he's my savior. To him be dominion, lordship, and power, authority. You can't tell me what to do. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can tell me what to do. Lord, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to be? What would you have me to say? Why? Because you are Lord. You know, one thing I understand. 
understand the goodness of our God. Because He is Lord, He doesn't necessarily have to be benevolent. He doesn't have to care for our good. It could be all to His good because He is Lord. But He's a loving Lord. He's a benevolent Lord. And the things He desires of me are for my good. That I get the most out of it. That I am greatly blessed by it. Oh, that we yield to Him dominion and rule, authority over everything. Now and forever. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for who you are. Power. Talked about it this morning. Dunamis. I, I love that the message this morning and the message tonight has one central focus. Jesus Christ. Amen. Our Lord and Savior. Thank you. Power. Let me tell you something. There's nothing in your life you're facing that he doesn't have the power to accomplish. He can move mountains. He can lay out the heavens with the span of his hand. He can raise the dead. And authority. And he has the authority. There's no authority can overrule him, override him. There's no dominion that can come against him. He is the preeminent of all potentates of all time and eternity. There is no other. Thank you, Lord, that you have the power to do whatever is needed in my life. And you have the authority, whether I yield to it or not, but if you rebel against authority, just a greater weight is going to come against you. A greater chisel. I, I said the other day, talking about like a gemologist who has that diamond on that pedestal and it's in the rough. And he's got that little hammer and that little chisel. He's going to tap it after he studied all the different visions and all within it. And he's going to tap it to where it breaks and it comes out the largest diamond with the most facets possible. Doing the best he can for that diamond. But now if that diamond rebels against the hammer and chisel and cracks. See, God brings authority into our life to mold us and shape us to where His light shines on us every area of our life. That light is reflected out through every facet all around us. I try to tell people, young people, God's put parents in your life to mold and shape you. And if you rebel, God's still going to bring authority into your life. Some young man says to me, 
Pastor Don, I'm sick and tired of my parents trying to tell me where to go, what to wear, and what to eat. I show them. I joined the Marine Corps. The hammer and the chisel just keep getting bigger. Well, I'll show them. I went AWOL. Yeah, a little place called Lebanon, Fort Leavenworth, Kansas. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the hammer and the, the chisel just keep getting bigger. Oh, that we would yield to his authority and allow him to chisel away the things in our life. And when he convicts us of sin, we wouldn't argue. We wouldn't hesitate. We would understand his saving grace, his love, sanctifying grace, how he desires to grow us and mature us, and his grace, the Savior's grace. And it's all for our good. He did it all. I know my devil. But thank God I know my deliverer. And Jesus Christ saved my soul. And I owe everything to him. All that I am today is because who he is. I think back over the many years my daughter texted me today and she said, Dad, how long have you been a senior pastor? Not just at Rosedale. Well, it just so happens that next Sunday will fulfill exactly 25 years here. If I go one more Sunday, I get into the next year. People keep saying, 21 and 95, you take it away, that's 26 years. You don't understand. You've got to get to that third Sunday in October to get into the 26th year. But 1981 in Cooper, Texas, I became senior pastor of New Life Baptist Church on the third Sunday in October. So it's exactly 40 years since I was voted in as a senior pastor. 25 here. Oh, I think back of all the things that God has done. I can't think of a thing I've done to be worthy of his marvelous grace, his love, his care for me, and how he has wanted to establish me, strengthen me, and use me for his glory. But let me tell you something. I am absolutely nothing at all. The real gems are sitting out here. When we each realize that and we surrender to his dominion and his lordship, it's going to be glorious to see what he can do through each of us. Do you know him? Is he your savior? Are you certain if you died today, heaven would be your home? Have you come to that place where you've turned from your sin and turned to him? If not, here in the auditorium or watching us over live stream, I ask you to just bow your heads, close your eyes, and just in the quietness of your own heart, search out the answer to that question.
If I die today, is heaven going to be my home? And if you're uncertain of that, if you're not sure, the double-minded man's unstable in all of his ways, settle it right now, just before God. Pray this prayer in your heart. Lord Jesus, I believe that you are God. I believe that you're the Savior of the world. I believe you came to save man from their sins. I believe you died on a cross and rose. Make sure to visit our website, rbcabingdon.org, where you'll find both video and audio archives of sermons. Here you will also find information about our church as well as our location. We're glad to have you listen to our sermon podcast. Have a blessed day and God bless.